Yeah. Hey, it's it's number 52, man. It's a year, bro. It's a year. It's a year. It's hold on for a second. Uh hey, this is our 52nd episode of Tales from a Gemini. Thank you guys for watching. I mean it from the bottom of my heart. Man, this has been a passion. This is a project of passion, really. Have. It was just me and Wyatt. Me and Wyatt, Wyatt or Wyatt. I call him Wyatt now. That sounds weird, but I call you Wyatt now. Just in case it sounds racial, I call you Wyatt now. Just in case you get mad at Wyatt, Wyatt I call you Wyatt now. But and honestly, it's been a year of me and Wyatt together, man, on this project, not knowing where I was going with it, and I was trying to feel it out, and Wyatt stuck with me, and now we got Malik. But now we, but it was me and Wyatt in the beginning. <laughs> so it's great, man. It's a passion. And in the beginning of this past, hey, how you guys doing? How you doing, family? You guys good? Hey, little fella. All right, well, just forget. <laughs> they just walked out like they didn't hear me. They walked like they, you saw me construction work. I was trying to be nice to them, and they, they saw me. Anyway, so, so anyway, in the beginning, I interviewed my, uh, my buddy, Bradley Smith. My, I was calling my son, Bradley Smith. Love this guy. Love this kid. MotoGP rider. We've just been friends. I mean, I basically harassed this guy at, at, in a MotoGP race, and we've been friends ever since. And he was one of the – in the beginning, I interviewed him, and I got the most hits on that, didn't I? The most downloads from uh, talking to him. And I try to, you know, let him be, let him be. But, you know, in that year, it's amazing what has happened in his life and in my life, how this has taken off. And, and I simply love this. Like I said, thank you, fans. I appreciate it. And in his life. So I want to know what's going on with him because we haven't really talked that much. I mean, he's been doing, he was a, a pretty good test writer. And Bradley Smith, say about it, Bradley Smith, man, before people pass him off. Bradley Smith, uh, he won the eight-hour Suzuka race. He he was he was I think the only rider ever to podium in all four classes of MotoGP from uh, 125, which is now Moto3, Moto2, MotoGP, and Moto E. Mixed Supercross fan Bradley's done it all, man. I, I could I read off a who's who of what he's done, but his nine podium finishes in 2009 is the highest number of podiums by a British rider across all solo classes since Phil Reed in 1975, man. So hey, let's just get right to it. Let's just talk to Bradley. Um, yeah, yeah. you send me a link, Malik. No, I forgot to send it to him. You know what, Malik? I'm seriously, you know, this it's, it's not it's not professional, bro. I, I, I'm gonna talk to Wyatt about it. Wyatt, why, why you know what to do? <laughs> <laughs> there you go. So I'm gonna say, I'm telling him to click it. He's here. He's here. All right, let's go. Here he is. How we doing? What's up, little big league? How you doing? <laughs> I, I am. I am doing just fine. I know exactly who you've been, you've been speaking to already. <laughs> Man, he hit me up on the way to Dunkin' Donuts. I was going to get my avocado toast. He made fun of me for getting avocado toast at Dunkin' Donuts. But I told him I don't eat that shit because, you know, mentally I'm a MotoGP rider like yourself. So I was going to get avocado toast at, 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 at the Dunkin'. He goes, and I go, well, let me ask him a question. He goes, yeah, just tell him hi, Little Big League, and he'll know who it's from. So, hey, Little Big League. <laughs> <laughs> you must be the only person, though, that goes to Dunkin' Donuts and orders avocado on toast that's exactly what he said but you know me man i want to be a moto gp rider but i mean i never mentally uh you know put limitations on myself but let's be honest so i can at least eat like one so i have uh, avocado toast from dunkin no 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 donuts and i keep it i try to keep it as healthy as possible because i still want to be you guys you know I don't understand it. You want to be a MotoGP rider, but you can't break the 22s at your uh, local K1 karting. I, I just don't understand. You ain't got to throw shade like that, man. Hurt my feelings, man. <laughs> you ain't got to throw shade like You know what? I do blame it on the weight gain. I really do. I go, because I'm, I'm doing everything right. 
I'm hitting the lines right or whatever. And honestly, I swear, you think I'm, well, you know me, so you know how dorky I am. But I literally go, okay, it's time to get in, it's time to get in a, a hot lap in, I'm trying to get a banker in, a banker lap. So I wait and I follow the, the, the fastest guy. I try to get a toe. I talk like I'm racing on the GP. I try to get a toe. And I do get the fastest lap, but I can't get the 22. So I'm blaming it on the weight gain. So I'm going to start eating avocado toast and hopefully that will get me in my 22s. I just like the confidence. I'm just doing everything right. I'm doing absolutely nothing wrong. I'm the best, but the lap time's not coming. B- BT, it doesn't work like that. It just doesn't work like that. Sorry. <laughs> I'm taking no. I'm taking my cues from you guys. I'm doing all I can. I'm, I'm getting the toes. Uh, just uh, I don't know what it is. I think it's the cart. You know, we're trying different setups. So we'll see. We'll see. You Come know. back tomorrow. <laughs> Exactly, man. How you doing, brother? I have not. It's been a while. Like, it's been a I was telling the guy, this is the matter of fact, it's the anniversary, my 52nd episode. And thank you so much for doing this 52nd episode. And, and it's so fitting because a year, it should be a special episode. So it's with you, which way it should be, man. We had more downloads from you. And I thought, why not come back? to you know, where it all started pretty much, man. I didn't know what I was doing. I said, well, let me hit my buddy up and see if he'll do it. So it's great to have you back. But, man, where have you been for this, uh, this especially this season? What's been going on? Um, well, first and foremost, then happy first, uh, first birthday. Uh, and, and, and to Wyatt as well. Fair play. I don't know how he deals with you on a, on a straight basis. So. <laughs> but, um, oh, man. Um, yeah, to start off this season, what have I been up to? Just been busy, been busy. And, um, you know, I I kind of been waiting for a call up um, because, you know, the Aprilia thing still isn't dead in the water. But, um, you know, I think that probably needs another couple of months before that, you know, starts to, to roll and get going. So been working on a few projects, um, you know, with Claudio Corti. We're working on a little bit of a race team and uh, a bit of on the coaching side. And also a couple of other things, um, you know, that I've had interest in for a number of years, but just never really pressed, uh, play on them because I've just been so busy, you know, with the racing side. So, um, and and like, yeah. like, what, like what kind of things, what kind of things? Um, well, there's, there's some bits and pieces that, you know, I want to continue to, to expand on and, and get into. I can't say too much at the moment because I'm, I'm on a non-disclosure. So, mm-hmm. um, it's it, hopefully we can make it happen and and if that happens then uh it will you know it will change the way that potentially we look at, at talent in in motorsport and you know that's that's pretty exciting so yeah basically i'm working on that that's as much as i can say but we're it's all part of the school it's all part of the the nurturing and finding talent um you know, it's all one big package that I'm, I'm trying to put together and, you know, coming at it from a couple of different ways because, um, you know, I don't think you could never hit something with one bullet. So, you know, firing with three or four and, uh, but yeah, basically trying to give back. I think that's the main thing. And I, I'm certainly feeling that I'm getting some positivity from all of that. I'm enjoying that side of it. Um, and it gives me something to focus on that, uh, you know, rather than, being bitchy and sitting on the sofa and complaining that I'm not racing. <laughs> yeah, you know, you mentioned that, and if, any, if any, anybody knows about shooting more with one bullet, it's Americans. You know, that's one thing we are good at, and that's shooting, shooting guns and, with more than one bullet. So <laughs> that's one thing we're good at. But I ask you that, like, what made you think that way? Because, like, like you said, I mean, 
I want to get so much thing I want to get into, but if I can do, I guess one thing, it's the Aprilia thing, and I was talking, I was thinking this, and you can stop me if you want to or not answer the question, but I, I got to because it's there. Okay, last year I'm gonna say it right now, at least from from my point of view, it was a shit show from my point of view, from my point of view because I looked at it like what I heard Sam Lowe's in a, in a podcast what he said. And how how it was there, and uh, you know, Lace was great to him. He said Lace was great, but the rest of it, he goes, he was glad to be gone. And then, um, so you know, it was with you and Salvadori, and I was like, what are they doing? And you know, you you said everything that you had to say that was positive, and you know, you didn't burn any bridges in the interviews. You said everything right, being the professional that you are. But from the outside, like you know, I was like, this is a shit show. And now that they got their shit together and now that they're the they, you know they're like, they're the girl that goes in and gets the, the augmented surgery you know they got the boobs they got the hair done they got the <laughs> teeth done and like the nails like oh my god what's up Aprilia hey boys and now they go in and get Dovey and bring him in like he's king shit no offense to him at all but you're the one that did the donkey work. Correct me if I'm wrong. You're the one that tested. You're the one that did everything last year, going through all that, test riding and racing the same weekend, which is very difficult to do. You did all that, and now they're going, hey, Dovey, come up. When, when it was all you, correct me if I'm wrong, was it all you or was it not? That, 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 that the bike is where it's at now. Um, I mean, it's always a team thing, right? <laughs> you know, and... <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I'm certainly not going to take all the credit, but you know, um, there was only two guys inside of that race team that actually put any input, um, you know, from, from the riding side. Um, and we have, you know, we had a tremendous amount of engineers behind us. And I think the simple thing is BT, um, that, that project is never secure. Um, I think that Piaggio are never fully convinced on MotoGP. Um, Aprilia are obviously pushing that very hard, but Piaggio need um, convincing almost every year that it's the right thing to do. And, um, you know, it's a lot of money spending uh, budgets to go racing inside of MotoGP. And if they don't see the results, if they don't have... Um, if they don't have marketing interest, if they don't have the good press and PR and so on and so forth, they have to keep asking themselves that question. Um, you know, why are we doing this? Um, all manufacturers are signed up now to this new MotoGP extension until 2026, except for Aprilia because we still, I say we, <laughs> it's they, um, you know, but I still feel that I'm, I'm a part of the project, even, even if I'm not. Um, they they're still not 100% sure and I think more than anything this isn't personal attack on me yeah. um it's it's Massimo Rivola and the Aprilia family trying to position themselves so that the project still continues to run for years to come and you know that obviously they would like that I am part of the project you know for years to come as you know especially as a test rider and to, to continue to have my input there but if they don't get the right riders and they don't convince the bosses that they need to spend their money, then there's no project for any of us to run. So um, it was a weird decision on the whole Salvadori thing. I'm still not entirely sure uh, how that came together, but um, you know, it was Fausto Grassini's rider. And if, if that was his wishes, um, you know, how can you begrudge them that? Yeah.
Well, I, I look at that as, and you correct me if I'm wrong, is that it's an Italian team. So naturally, yeah, they probably would want an Italian rider. I mean, it's almost like Ducati, you know? I mean, I get it. I get that part of it, but I just feel that they didn't give you, I, this is me, and maybe it's a personal thing because I know you, and I just feel like, and this is me, you don't have to, you know, go along with it, but I just looked at it like, man, they kind of screwed him out. And, but, you know, you're still part of the party, but I just feel like, they kind of screwed you out of it, I thought. And no offense to Salvadori at all. No offense to him. I mean, you know, he's living the dream, basically. He got the call up. So, you know, you can't get mad at him. Of course you're going to take that. But it's like, I feel that they're, they're where they're at now with the lace finishing in the top what, top sixes and, and, and qualifying very well and doing very well on the bike. I just feel that's you. I mean, they, you know, they, they, they're, now they're courting Dovey. But that's all you, man, and, and, and you can, you know, be as, as demure about this as you want to, and I'll, I'll do the talking for you. I just feel that you did that donkey work. You were the one that did all that work, and no offense to Lace. Of course, he's a you know, no offense to him at all, but it was you, and that's where they're at now because of you, and now they're courting Dovey. So, in a way, I feel that's a little slap in the face in a way, but if they still retain you, as a test rider, would, would it make you happy, or would you rather be a racer? Would you, if you, if it's something open up, maybe a Moto Two? Would you go down to Moto Two? I mean, would, would that be a, a meaning to you, or would you take that ride? Yeah, I mean, when you put in these type of circumstances, uh, it it makes you reevaluate re everything, um, you know, because I think that as humans, we're greedy, and you know, <laughs> we we try and take the absolute very best at that time, and we kind of chase that. Um, and then obviously, I'm in a situation now where I have nothing. So it's literally anything that comes, you know, would would be great. Um, but yeah, I think I have to really understand, um, you know, where my heart is when everything's on the table, and you know, so on and so forth. But you know, right now I'm just keeping riding bikes. I'm still riding my motocross stuff and I'm still doing, you know, the, the R3s and stuff like that. Um, so, yeah, I'm keeping occupied. Um, going back to, do, you know, do I think I was screwed over and, you know, the bike and this, that and the other. Um, I think that if you have a look at where the Aprilia was at the end of 2018, yes. when I jumped in, when I jumped in on the project, that was a bike on Struggle City. Yes. Um, you know, main they, street struggle city, main street yeah. struggle city. Yeah. So, and where I've left it to the point where Andrea Davizioso can jump on the bike and say he quite enjoys riding it, you know, after riding a, a championship winning motorcycle, you know, for the last, uh, you know, definitely for the last five years, but, you know, let's say a Ducati for the last eight, um, I can be proud of that work and, I hope to continue that and and then we'll see and then we'll see what happens and we'll see how everything you know pans out but um the, the I mean the sport comes down to lap times and what I still don't understand is that every test that I've ever been at I've been one second faster than Salvadori so it still always has me questioning why I am where I am but um this is a political world. I'm watching Drive to Survive at the moment, uh, yeah. you know, the Formula One. Yes. And uh, I think it's episode nine when they, you know, show Sergio Perez. You know, that guy was, you know, two rounds out from the end of the season. He had no drive. You know, nobody was interested. We're talking about a guy that was fighting for third position in the Constructors' Championship, you know, there with Racing Point. Um, 
And yeah, he was basically had nothing for the next season. He goes out and wins, still has nothing for the next season. Yeah. And then, you know, then that comes through and, you know, okay, he's at Red Bull now. But then I also throw it back to Chaz Davis, who I don't know entirely the numbers, but I think he podiumed 10 out of the last 12 races or something like that last season. Mm -hmm. And he was still looking at, you know, when the season finished, he still didn't have a job. So the motorcycle world at the moment, or let's say the world in general is a, is a funny place. And we all have a, I don't know, it doesn't always make sense. Um, But if we have a, you know, if we do manage to find ourselves, you know, having a job and, you know, still going forward and enjoying the world that we, that we're living in, then I suppose we have to be grateful from that point as well. Yeah, I mean, you're saying the right things because you're professional. I mean, you are. You're saying the right things. I feel something different, but you're saying the right things. But, like, when did it became, and was it, was it just this year, or when did you realize that sport, motorsport, is not just about the sport, it's a bit. When did you realize it's a business more than a sport? Was it just this year, or was it well before? It's been strange. I've been very fortunate, you know, pretty much all of my career, I've always been wanted. And, you know, being wanted is a fantastic feeling. You know, it just is a a fantastic. I have no idea what that's like. No one's ever wanted me. (laughs) (laughs) My parents tried to give me away twice and no one took me. (laughs) (laughs) They still trying to. Yeah, yeah, they are. They're going, hey, do you want you want this grown man? He's costing me money. <laughs> yeah, they're like o- Oklahoma. Like the borders are closed, man. You're not allowed to come back. And there's a big digital picture of me. Like, don't let him in. <laughs> yeah, yeah, forbidden. Yeah. Bye. Um, when did I realize it was business? Um, yeah, I mean, as I said, I've been very lucky. I've had a, a tremendous, you know, career, and you know, I've I've been wanted. It's a great feeling, and mm-hmm. um. And I would say that it has only been since I've been at Aprilia that you actually start to feel what it's like that you're not top of the tree or you're not first pick. You know, it's... Uh... Uh-oh. Stuck. You know, for someone maybe to pick you up and, um, you know, they, they just don't. So... Um, that comes with age, that comes with situation, that comes with the change of dynamic of the sport. I think that, you know, certainly everyone seems to be going for the younger riders now, um, you know, and, and that's just what it is. But um, GP's done a tremendous job with it not being business orientated for such a long time. But I think that COVID has been a real kick in the teeth, um, you know, across the board. And I think that, you know, that's made a few decisions this year um you know business related rather than not how hard is it to, to stay positive though i mean because i mean that's the one th- great thing about you guys is that and if you know you watch drive to survive like you said we you know with sergio perez and but somehow it always works out and like you said you've been fortunate and some, and even on my end sometimes it's like you know I, it, it's a business and you know i feel the age thing also but sometimes it, but you know in the end 
it kind of always works out. So how hard was it in the beginning when, you know, Salvador, you got the ride, and you're like, really? After all I've done and, you know, my lap times and everything? But but you still, like you said, you're still in it. You know, they, they you're still on the radar. They, they've they got to know Bradley Smith. You know, they know. And I think the Marvel GP world knows because said, you're the consummate professional. There's other riders, and, you know, names not included, I think we both knew what I'm talking about, who have burned bridges while they were in MotoGP, and they said, you know, what the project, the bike was like, and blah, 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 and they're no longer in it, and they're in some other series because of what they said, and they burned bridges, where, you know, like I said, you're saying the right things, but you're also stating facts. So how hard, how hard is it to stay that positive going, okay, it's going to work out, it's going to work out, and then, like, you're at this part of the season going, okay, it's going to work out, it's going to work out, okay, this guy, you know, it's five times, but okay, it's going to work out. I mean, how hard is that to stay upbeat? <laughs> I'm not going to lie to you. It's not easy. And, yeah. you know, and there's certainly days where you just want to throw everything in because it's just, you know, you feel that it's not worth it. Um, but then on the other side of giving up, you know, the pain doesn't really go away. Yeah. So, you know, it's yeah. one of those ones that if you, if you do throw in the towel and it's like, oh, man, you know, I'm, I'm, I, don't, I don't care for this or I'm not even going to try. I think that those sad emotions or those painful emotions they don't actually go away um and it almost makes it worse because then you sit there and go what if you know what if i just gave it another week what if i just did this what if i just did that and i think what if will last with you forever um you know whereas if you just see it through and you go and you give your absolute maximum it's going to end at some point, you know, something's going to end, you know, especially with this a prettier thing or whatever, something's going to end in the next, you know, um, you know, let's say it's three months, mm-hmm. you know, but at least I know for those three months, I stayed ready. I stayed positive. I stayed optimistic. I stayed ready. Um, and if it didn't work out in three months then I know I did my absolute best and that's it. Whereas if I just told them, you know, or if I just burned bridges, as you said, um, you know, who knows how long it's going to go, you know, because you always ask that question, ah, you know, if I, if I just done this, or if I just gave it another chance, blah, blah, blah. So, um, and to be honest, I don't want to do anything else. And I think that's always a, a a lovely situation to be (laughs) in is when you don't want to do anything else, it's like, well, you know, uh, what, what else would I rather be doing? And it's, and it's this, and even though it sucks, um, you know, right now, it won't suck always and yes. you know then i'll it, it will slot into whatever position it needs to and i'll make it work that you know that it's funny you say that's so true somebody told me the same thing it's like sometimes you know just careers they go up and down that's how it is it's a roller coaster ride you know and so it's like and i think they were at some gig that's like you know like ugh, and and he turned his comic turned to the comic goes where else would you rather be and it and that yeah. simple phrase like you just said what else would you rather be doing? I mean, yeah, it's not where you want to be now, but where else would you rather be? I mean, you know, riding motorcycles, me doing whatever I do. I mean, and that's what it's all about. And what, now, what do you find solace in? Like, what makes you go, okay, like, put you in a positive place and makes you feel good? Is it, I mean, is it riding your uh, bicycle, motorcycle? Is it uh, music? I mean, what makes you go, okay, I'm in a good place mentally, and now I can deal with this bullshit? Ooh. Um, I think that varies day on day as well. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. That, that varies day on day. Um, you know, because, you know, sometimes you j- literally anything that just takes your focus away from, you know, those detrimental thoughts inside your own head. Because let's be honest, 
most of the time it's not actually someone else's you know um actions that are making you upset it's your story about those actions you know inside your own head you're the actual one probably creating the problem so the more that you can try and you know distract yourself from that um you know then that's what it is but you know also (laughs) i'm not gonna say that every day you know music cheers me up you know because it because it doesn't you know some days you're listening to your genre and you're listening to the to the words and you're like oh man i'm in a i'm in a bad spot right now because that's that's they're not good lyrics you know so uh who do you listen to what do you listen to oh man today i've been on a on a feel-good one i i don't even know what it's from uh, you'll find it on Matt Dickens' story. It was uh, <laughs> from that. from yes yesterday. It's a theme track for yesterday. Uh, feel good, or I feel so good, or something like that. But yeah, I've been uh, listening listening to that one. But I have a very varied music uh, music taste. Like anything from like Disney through to like uh, Green Day or Good Charlotte or something like that. I, I mean, I, mine. I have I have some interesting things going up on and inside my head because if that's where I bounce from like that far left or that far right then there's something going on up there but um yeah it's uh it's good stuff though it's good stuff so what do you like okay do you ever uh, use music like before a race uh, like you know like maybe like before you get on the grid or even during the grid like sometimes you, I mean is there anything you listen to 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 get you pumped up or or settle you down to get you in that laser laser light focused anything you listen to um i would say that i quite enjoy i think it's jay-z rihanna run this town really um yeah and it's it's one of those ones um i don't know why but i always like listen to it just before going into the garage so yeah just i don't know there's something about that one that you know does it but yeah like Normally during our warm-ups, we have a very upbeat tempo, um, you know, music kind of feel-good factor. Especially when I was working with Matt, it yeah. was always feel feel-good factor. Always trying to like lighten the mood, lift the mood, um, you know, rather than feel that it has to go like really dead serious and stuff like that. It was always like right, raise heart rate, you know, feel good, feel happy, and you know, get into that that good positive mindset to then walk inside that garage and be ready to, to do work because um, you know, there's, there's times where it's heavy, you know, if you're yeah. winning and fight, fighting for podiums, you know, then it's almost like, Oh, I just need to concentrate and that's it. But I mean, when you're, when you're pulling, pulling a KTM, you know, just inside the points or you're developing an Aprilia, you know, to not finish last, <laughs> Uh, there's times when you have to <laughs> you have should... to find some artificial happiness in there somewhere. Put some DMX on, Rough Riders. Yeah, yeah. You know, put some DMX. Yeah. <laughs> 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 I can't believe you. Just <laughs> That's what you got to do, though. Sometimes you got to be that dog, man. You got to be a dog, you there know? There you go. That, like... <laughs> I take your word for it. <laughs> now, what, now, what Disney music did you ever listen to? What Disney music? Oh man, I I, I love Tarzan. Um, so anything like with Phil Phil Collins, I was a big fan of Phil Collins. Um, you yes. know, then that that's always uh, yeah, 
I think that was growing up with my, you know, obviously with mum and dad. And yeah. I think my dad was quite a, a big fan of, of Phil Collins. So, you know, that that was good. Um, uh, what is it? Uh, Colours in the Wind, the Pocahontas uh, theme tune. <laughs> yeah, dude, I, I'm... I'm 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 not lying to you. I'm not lying to you. This is straight legit. So you know, this is this is how my life is. And whatever it takes to get you there, man. Whatever it takes to uh, get you there. Abs- absolutely. Now I always want to ask you this: like when you're on the grid, because I've been there before. Now I feel like God. I, w- I wish I could apologize to all the writers now, because now I know a little bit. You know, and being around like. I was such a, so annoying here. I am saying, hey, how you guys doing? You guys got to concentrate with these fucking animals. I'm going, hey, guys. You know, it's like, what did you like? How was that, that mental mindset when you're coming on? I mean, you go into the garage, OK? Like you say, you listen to your music. You go into the garage and then you're waiting. You get on the bike. Then you do your sighting lap. Boom. You stop. Your brother girl comes out. Blah, blah. What's going through your mind? And do you have any music in? What are you listening to? I mean, uh, do your text know to talk to you, not to talk to you? What are you going through? Like, walk me through that. Because that, that to me, is the most fascinating point of, of everything. That's my favorite part is when you guys are on that grid, sitting on the bike or standing up, whatever, how you got to be. And those moments before they, that, uh, and everybody clears out. You take that last kind of handshake. I call it the shankalinkling moment, you know, where everything goes kind of kind of kind of, and it's just you and the dude that you know, and that's my favorite part. So walk me through what's going through the mind. How how are you mentally? Well, the good thing was um, working with Randy Mamola. Like he actually taught me to kind of be be focused and being game zone um, only when you put your helmet on. Um, just because I think that we have like a short, real, concentrated attention span, you know, and I think that was always an important one was like, you know, just when you put your helmet on, that's the time to, to you know, really kind of a focus. Um, but everything's a build up. So like I said, you go from that feel good factor of getting, you know, ready and putting your leathers on and so on and so forth, try and keep those nerves out of the system because, at that point, we're putting on our leathers about 30 minutes before the start of the race. So it's still quite a long time, like especially mentally to, you know, if you're starting to get amped up already, then, um, you know, by the time the race comes, you know, that's, uh, yeah, you know, that's already a long way into it. So um, try not to, yeah, try, like build up there, then, you know, just tick your boxes, make sure that everything's ready inside the garage, you know, then obviously you go around to the, to the, to the grid um tire scrub is important you know especially if you're putting a new tire on the grid but maybe you've got a front tire you know i always really can't try and concentrate on getting like maximum right maximum left um and then the main thing really on the grid i don't want a lot of light-hearted chit chat um you know i just want to kind of be in my own thoughts um but yeah the biggest thing for me is going through my electronic strategies so just knowing kind of right that map's there that map's there you know we did this we did that um you know if there's any really important points on the track um you know save the save the tire um if we're running and we're struggling on fuel mixtures you know know exactly you know when to go to those and and when not um you know, try and get a little bit of information from the Michelin guys in terms of what people are running tire-wise, you know, unless there's any surprises. Um, and then just really try not to think about too many things. Um, good start, 
uh, you know, and and where I want to position myself in the first like two, three corners. And then the race kind of naturally flows into its position. But um, yeah, I think that you can kind of see everybody is quite withdrawn on the grid. You know, no one's really too excited, but it's mainly because they're just in their thoughts and, you know, kind of just thinking, right, okay, you know, how do I get this done and how do I execute? Because I think that's the most important thing is um, there's a lot of talent on that grid, but not always everyone executes the race, uh, you know, exactly to their full potential. And I think that's the most important thing for us as riders is, is trying to extract the maximum from the bike on that day. And if that's winning, that's winning. And, you know, if that's 16 position and no points, then that's just what it is. Well, you know, like, you know, Mike Tyson said, everybody has a plan, then they get hit in the mouth. So, like, if you had that plan, okay, I'm going to be, I want to be here by this corner, here by this corner. Well, what if, you know, uh, somebody goes crazy, like a Brad Bender comes and knocks you out, like, all right. They're, like, how, does it take you that off mentally, or, or can you bounce back, or does it just throw your whole race, like, ah, oh, what do I do now? I mean, what happens then if it, if it throws you off? Well, that's one thing that is most important is, is, you know, I think training those type of things. And I think that we can see that. And I don't want to, I don't want to pick on him, but for example, I think Maverick Vinales is a perfect case of this. You know, if something goes a little bit wrong in the opening of the race, it's almost like his race is done. Like he's just doesn't seem to be able to refine the focus to bring himself you know, back to the point of, you know, his maximum potential. If something happens, you know, and, you know, it can upset his whole race. Whereas almost with Mark, if something happens, we get even better Mark, you know, if that makes sense, you know, it's yeah. almost like, it's almost like if, if we say that both riders are at 95%, if Maverick gets knocked, he goes to 85. And, you know, if Mark gets knocked, he goes to 105. It's like a different <laughs> character comes out and he's like, oh, man, now I'm going to have to really go for it because, you know, um, I have to show you. And, yeah, I think that that just depends on mentality and I think a little bit of, of training and focus and those type of things. But. You know, if you stick Maverick out on front, um, you know, like he did in Qatar, the dude just disappears and, and wins races, you know. So it is funny how, you know, different people, you know, come with, with different things. I mean, even from the naked eye, I can see the red mist. Like, like a perfect example, I think, was uh, Assen, that great race in Assen where it was like four or five guys buying for the lead. And I remember, like, uh, uh, Renz hit, hit Mark. And then I think the next lap, Mark came and banged him, and Renz looked over and like Mark was like, "Yeah, that's what we're doing." And I think <laughs> I think Renz like, "All right," like you can see almost like him going, "Wow, this, this is what we're doing." Mark is like, "Yeah, this is what we're doing." And it's like you said, I you know I can almost see that from the naked eye from home on the couch. I can see that. So have you ever had the red mist where somebody pissed you up? You go, "Okay, okay, it's on." Then I mean, have you ever had that before? Because you seem so cerebral and so like just. Like nothing would rattle, rattle you. You know what I mean? I've never seen you rattle, rattle. So has you ever had that where you just go, okay, all right, buddy. Okay. Oh, oh sorry about that elbow. I mean, have you ever had that before? I have to show you a picture that there's of me and Andre Iannone. Oh, yes. Um, yes, I remember that. Yes. So there's there's a picture from me in Assen, and I think we were fighting for fourth place. And yeah. basically we hit – we hit each other about three laps 
uh, three times every lap for the last like 12 laps of the race. Um, and it was just literally on and we lost the front group, the podium had gone and it was just like, okay, like the only thing I have to lose right now is fourth position. So I'm going to make sure that one way or the other, I beat you because you've ruined my race and that's just what it is. And you know what it's like at Assen. It's just slipstream city. We're in one, two, five. So like, and we are just, every time that we'd go past each other, we'd just hit each other with the elbow or we'd swing into each other or, you know, pinch each other against the curb. I promise you, it was like 12 laps like this, just going back and forth, back and forth. And uh, we came into the last chicane there. And I just remember he was always going to die from me. So I was like, right, okay, I need to prepare this properly. So I kind of stayed mid-track waited for him to dive bomb me, squared it back. And I just remember like I coming past him, like uh-huh. around the outside. Yeah. And I and I stood up on the back, like on my foot, foot pegs, looking back at him, shouting at him like, that's what's up, that's what's up. <laughs> but, but, but my vein like that was sticking out of my neck here was just out like this. I was just like so angry and so pumped at the same time. But there's like the, there's a couple of pictures from a couple of different angles. And my mum and dad actually have it inside the office um, in uh, at home. There's two pictures up. There's my first victory in, uh, in Jerez yeah. um, on the podium. And there's that picture as well. I think they're two, <laughs> two uh, big, big moments in my career. Man, I you know I remember that. I I really gotta go. Man, what the hell was that about? Cause I remember. Yeah, I, I remember that. Cause you look back, like you, and I didn't know what you were saying, but you were. I was like to Ianoni. I mean, that's almost a death sentence. Were you afraid, like after the race was over, he was gonna like you know come over and say, uh, what was that about? I mean, because Ianoni's crazy. I mean, he he really is. That's the one guy, man, that he he scares me. Literally scared. Like, so were you worried like it was gonna be some retribution? Like after it's all over and you know all the the, the transporters are gone, it's just you and him. Did you, did that ever worry you? Oh, no, I wasn't wasn't too worried. I I kind of figured that from years of riding motocross that I was going to be all right. You know, I, I've met enough rough, rough characters in my life that uh, we, we'd be all right from that point of view. There was another situation as well where I remember Keenan Sofuoglu came uh, when he came to Mother 2. Yes. And that guy was rough. Like, and he had this reputation of being rough. But I remember Eugene Laverty, he said, hey, listen, uh, the best way to deal with him is to do it back. And then it's almost like a respect thing. It's like he thinks that by being rough um, makes people afraid. Um, and, you know, that then they show him some respect. But if you do it back, he actually, you know, he doesn't get angry about it. He's like, oh, OK, you know, this guy gives as good as he gets. Yeah. So I remember the very first test I rolled out. And sure enough, halfway through the middle of the day, I just get you know, keen and just let go of the brakes at Valencia into the first right and just clip me. It was like my first time on the mutter two, this, that, and the other. And I just remember like I wobbled and was like, oh man, you know, like nearly into the gravel. And I just remembered what Eugene had told me. So basically I chased after him and two corners later, I just released the brake and just went straight across the curb. Bam! Both of us went into the gravel. But that was it. We were all good for the rest of the season. Then, like, never, <laughs> never had any problems with him after that completely. So, yeah, I think it's uh, it's one of those ones. If you set set out your stall, then you're always going to be all right. 
You know, it's it's so. I I just remember what he did to Sam. Was it Sam Lowe's? Well, yeah, it, it, uh, in in um in Supersport in Aragon, where he literally just went bam and hit him. And after the race, Lowe's looked like he was shook. They yeah, they go, was that intentional? He goes, well, I just you know, it's just part of racing. But he looked shook, and I go, this guy's crazy. I mean, honestly, Keenan, Keenan, and Ian Iannone to me are the guys that. Uh, that if I were one of you riders, I was like, man, I need security. I mean, those guys look, I mean, just nuts. And especially Keenan. He torpedo lows. I remember that one, man. That was scary. So it's funny. You, I wish I would have seen that. That would have been great, man. Like, are you guys, when you guys do something like that, do you guys know that you're such skillful riders that you're not really going to, somebody's going to really get hurt, hurt, but just, uh, just enough to hurt. I mean, how do you? How do you do that without really hurting them? You know what I mean? I mean, like, like I'm going to, this guy's going to crash into a fence or whatever. Yeah, it's just awareness of where your bike is and kind of incoming speeds and stuff like that. That's why there's there's certain corners. And this is why, you know, and I'm going to throw it out there in terms of it's so difficult for race direction, um, you know, and the race stewards um, to understand and make the right course. You know, I think they are doing a bad job at the moment. They do get a bad rap. Um but I think, you know, part of the reasons is that, you know, okay, uh, Freddie Spencer, you know, he has raced. Um, but how racing was back in 500 days isn't the same as, you know, what the racing is now. Um, and he certainly doesn't know what it's like to ride a Murder 3 bike or a Murder 2 bike. You know, he just really knows how, you know, it is to ride a, a 500cc. Right. Um, and then the other guys that, you know, they got no idea. So when you see incidents and when you see, you know, bits out on track, there's certain corners as well where you go, yeah, that was a racing incident. And there's other corners where you go, that wasn't a racing incident. That was completely, they were out of control or that was intentional. Um, and, you know, that's one thing that, yeah, you only understand with, you know, for me, understand, you know, when you're, when you've been a racer or if you are a racer, um, and it's, you know, it's difficult one, but yeah, like you, you know, if you're going to wipe someone out or, you know, if you're not, you know, a little rubbing, you know, and, and touch is, is okay. Right. But when it's kind of intentional, like some of the three guys that they're in the inside, they pass five guys through the sand of uh, Qatar and then just nail everybody inside the hairpin, then yeah. you go, okay, that wasn't smart. Okay, well, since since we're on that, and this is the infamous, and you, you you can skip it if you want to, but since you know, and you're a racer, 2015 Malaysia, Marquez Rossi. Are we really going there? <laughs> well, wow. hey, you're the racer, so you know I've watched that. Oh, and I watched every angle, the helicopter angle. This thing, I mean, every, what is your take on it? I mean, you can skip it if you want to, because, I mean, you got to see these guys, and I, I don't. <laughs> so you can skip if you want to, but what's what, your take on that? But what, what do you want to know, the actual incident itself or the whole melee? Well, shit, let's get, well, since we're on it, how about the whole melee then? How about that? Since, since we're on it, why not? The whole melee then. Yeah. Um, well, first and foremost, I'm pissed that it stands because if Ali would have got, um, if he would have got, uh, 
disqualified or black flagged, I'd have got another podium because I finished fourth in that race. So oh. it bummed me out anyway that <laughs> that, yeah. that it happened the way that it does and yeah. it still affects me six years on. So <laughs> I, I've, I've let it go. I'm over it, man. I'm over it. <laughs> um so the whole melee like a lot of people said mark intensely um you know slowed down etc etc it's not the case in terms of i really understand um uh, malaysia and the strengths and weaknesses of the honda in oh come on no 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 only because obviously I've seen some different data from when I was at Yamaha, when I was at Aprilia, when I was at Ducati, um, or when I've seen Ducati's, some of Ducati's data, um, you understand how vastly different the different motorcycles ride. Now, you always know it because you see it out on track, but in for some reason in Sepang, it is that much different. Mm. Um, and I just take you back to, if you just remember Qatar, uh, two, when Fabio caught Jorge Martin about 0 0.3, 0 0.4 through sector three. Yeah. You know, he just literally went into second place. Martin was half a second in front and he just went through, you know, turned 12, 13, 14 and passed him into 15. And you're like, well, how is that possible? But that's just the different ways that the bikes do the lap time. The Ducati goes fast, you know down the straight breaks late, but you know, it isn't so fast in the high speed corners. The Yamaha is complete opposite and that's just the way it is. So those guys ended up on track, um, you know, kind of yo-yoing back and forward. And I think that, you know, Valley obviously felt that he was holding them up and Mark kind of felt the same. And once again, once there was a bit of argy-bargy, um, you know, Mark's kind of chimp comes out and it's like, all right, well, you want to play that game. Let's play that game. And Valentino was clearly not in for messing around. So he's like, okay, you want to play that game? Let's play that game. And, you know, that's just what, what it was. And it was like that for, for two or three laps. Um, I think anyone that could turn around and say that it wasn't an, an intentional act, maybe not for Mark to crash, but if it wasn't an intentional act to make contact, um, you know, from Valentino to, to Mark, you know, I think they're kidding themselves. Did he mean to, to make him crash? No, I don't. I don't believe so. Did he believe, you know, did he want to make a bit of contact and did he want to prove a point? Absolutely. You know, I think that that was his line in the sand in terms of, OK, we're done here. Now let's carry on with our race let's stop dick swinging, you know, back and forth with each other and let's just crack on with this race because I have a championship to win. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I think that's that's how it played out in the end. Oh my God. Yeah, I wanted to get that from you. I mean, that's the one, I, I even to this day, man, and it's, it's so much more than just the Malaysia. I think, you know, it was the buildup to Malaysia. I mean, yeah. it, it started in Argentina and then the bad blood can in Assen went and you know and uh, Mark was pissy what he did in Assen and Mark wasn't having a good year and he wasn't going to win the championship, and then Valet accused him in Phillip Island of uh, you know of holding back, but it was Iannone that actually held him up. Iannone was the one who got the podium, held Rossi back in in uh, in Phillip Island. Although Mark did make up half a second on Lorenzo in that last lap. I mean, it's so much. It's so much that season, and also you can look at Mazzano when. 
Rossi was uh, on the uh, ruin uh, Lorenzo's fast lap. He was on the racing line, and he knows better. So that's why he got that warning, which is the reason he had to start in the back of the pack in Valencia. So it's so much that built up to that. And it's a shame, and it's like I didn't want to ask, but I was like, eh, since we're there. <laughs> but the, the the thing is, though, isn't that what's racing supposed to be about? Like, you know, that whole kind of build up and that kind of, you know, going back and forward and this, that, and the other. You know, I think that everyone had missed that. Um, I heard it the other day uh, from one of the cycling uh, from one of the cycling commentators, um, and it uh, with. I don't even remember what race it was now. It was the the race, like literally just gone. And it was between the British guy, Tom Pids, Pidcock, Pid, Pidlock mm-hmm. and uh, Wout Van Aert. And they literally finished like, you know, no no gap in between them whatsoever. It was like yes. millimeters. I saw that, yeah. And he's just like, he's like, I'm so happy that these guys look angry. There's no patting on the back. There's no, ah, great job, man. You know, this, that, and the other. Like, I'm so pleased that for a period of time that they're pissed, you know, that they're angry. They don't want to see the guy. And then, you know, after five minutes, once they calm down, this, that, and the other, they might go and that, you know, give them a fist pump and say, Hey man, good job. But, you know, I think that for a number of years, everyone's been a little bit too nice to each other. Like, oh, yeah, you know, like, good job. You're, you know, I'm happy for you, this, that, and the other. Like, uh, I'm I'm happy for people. Like, I want to see people succeed. But if they're my rivals, I'm not happy for them. Like, if they're first and, I, you know, and I'm second, I'm bummed, you know. And, That's what you should be. And I, mean, I think that, that that was exciting between Mark and Valentino in terms of, you know, it was it was war for them. It was like, you know, pride and it and it was war. Um, you know, and, and had been for, for a number of times. Um, you know, and and you know, I, I still believe that it is. You know, I still don't believe that it's completely gone, but you know, obviously it just bubbled up to like that point where it was a shame because I think that everyone would have liked to have seen Valentino win that temp title. Yeah. Um, you know, I still believe it would have been good for the sport. It would have been good for, you know, the fans and this, that, and the other. It would have been good for him. Um, but, man, these things aren't given. You know, there's so many things that go into these sports. We're not playing tiddlywinks out there. You know, there's, yeah. uh, you know, there's, there's a whole different dynamic that – you know, what is what makes sport sport, you know, they don't give the trophies before the race has even started, you know, you have to earn it. And, you know, uh, and that means that you have to be smart in terms of who you piss off and, you know, <laughs> who, who you want your rivals to be, you know. I know I would hate to piss off somebody like Brad Bender going into like a race like, oh, God, I pissed him off. He has no chance. Or Darren Bender pissed him off and then have a, had going to a turn. I'd be more worried with Darren yeah. than with Brad. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think Brad, it, it, with Brad, you know, okay, it was a mistake. He really didn't mean it. But with Darren, you're like, oh, God. Oh, God. You know, if you're going for a championship, it's like you pissed him off two races before. And you're like, come on, man. <laughs> I talked to him like, I'll buy you dinner. I'll, I'll get your parents a, a vacation in the Bahamas. Just please, just don't, don't bang me. I got a championship to win. I would not want to go into turn two with that guy. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, speaking of, and speaking of which, I want to ask you, we talked about Maverick. You know, he just dismantled his Twitter account, you know. And I want to know. Oh, really? 
Yeah, he, he uh, because, you know, from the fans, he was getting it. And I guess, you know, I, people were passionate. And I do my little race report that you've always been like, you don't know what the hell you're talking about, which I love, by the way. You go, you have no idea what you're talking about. So it's like, but, it's, but for shits and giggles, and I never go too hard on you guys. I always try to make it fun. And I don't want to go because I know what you guys go through and I know the risks. So I try to make it fun. And I said, there's a missing persons report from Avery Vinales after the race. Said, Where was he? Whatever. But then he dismantled his Twitter account because it's like, I guess it was he was getting vitriol. And, like, that's what makes me so mad. Like, has, how bad did it get for you or does it get for you? Like, when you're racing, say, were you with KTM or, 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 or Tech 3 or whatever. Like, did you feel fans, like, come in with vitriol and say stuff to you? And, you, and how much did it really affect you? Or you go, man, eh, to hell with this guy or person, whatever. I like again I go I circle back to it's always nice to feel wanted um, <laughs> you know yeah. like I'm just gonna go back to that one again and you know anyone that says oh, I don't give a fuck what people say about me you know this and the other it's bullshit everyone yeah. cares you know and that's the nice thing about social media that there's so many positive things and, you know, there's so many nice things that you can kind of read about yourself or for yourself in support of yourself or about other people, you know, like it doesn't only have to be um, all about you, you know, you can, can see that about others as well. Um, and that's what I love about social media. It makes a big world small at times and creates a, a fantastic network, but, you know, it also does give, a bigger voice to you know the 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 inexperienced or the you know the non-professional out there and you know but what you're gonna do like you know for for all the negative things you know is there more positives you know and that's you know that's another another thing out there um but also uh, do you have to have a, a social media account and the truth is no uh you know you can you can be a, a motorcycle rider and, you know, just turn up and do your racing and that's it. You know, there's no one forcing you to have one. Um, is it beneficial to you if you speak to managers and PR and, you know, uh, endorsements and sponsorship? Yeah, it is. But, you know, is that going to, is that going to make you faster? Probably not. Mm. Um, and if it's detrimental to you as a person, then that's just what it is. Um, I don't think as motorcycle racers, we get it that bad. You know, when I start to read some of the stuff on celebrities or, you know, um, you know, film stars, or I don't know how it is in the comedy world, but <laughs> I'm sure it's pretty, I'm sure it's pretty rough, you know, or I think maybe comedy is worse because if they think you suck, they're there literally right in front of you and they tell you during your set, you know? <laughs> yeah, man, I've, I've, I've almost gotten fights on stage. I mean, I've gotten this close to getting a fight with a dude in the audience and, and I don't know yeah. where, but the the, the, uh, the security guard came and, and stopped it. But, you know, yeah, I mean, I've gotten into it. But, I mean, but then again, no, you know, if I have a bad show, I got a bad show. I go get another one and it'd be good. But you guys, you know, you risk it all. And then there's people who, you know, hey, man, you know, this guy didn't deserve this ride, blah, blah, and they don't know, hey, you know, this bike kind of sucks, but I can't really say it because, I'm, you know, they're, they're also paying me, blah, blah, blah. So it's like, you know, it, like, do you let that get to you or you go, man, you know, what? I don't need this shit in my life and you just disable the account like Maverick did, you know? I always want to know, like, yeah. does it ever get to it, you, get to you? Oh, no, it, it gets to everybody, you know, like anyone that says that it doesn't, you know, even uh, Megan 
Meghan Markle, she tried to tell the world that she didn't have no idea that everyone was calling her the worst person in the world, you know, because of what she said about the Queen and blah, blah, blah. She she knew. Like, you know, I know that up in Calendar or, or um, wherever she is on Oprah Winfrey Street <laughs> of Houses, you know, they have pretty good freaking Wi-Fi that she knows exactly what's going on. Now, if she chooses to pretend, you know, then that's up to her, but um it's a shame that he's unable to to kind of block that out but if you're unable to do it and you just want to live a quiet life with your you know your future um mummy to 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 be you know his his wife you know is going to have a kid and uh, you know it's 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 not my position to tell you how to to live your life but I'm just literally can't think of uh, anything else at the moment. I can just imagine them coming over on team radio. Can you imagine like a Twitter, Twitter handle at what are you? You're not funny man, six, eight, six, nine anymore. What are you now? I'm funny boy, six, eight, six, nine. Cause something happened and they dismantled my account. They didn't tell me. I literally was on the treadmill at the gym and I looked at the email and said, your funny man, six, eight, six, nine account has been disabled. I go, are you, and you can't, you know, you can't reply to them because that's it. I mean, they're, they're the final word. There is no, Hey man, can I get a, a you know, a probation? There's nothing. They just told me. So I had to start over. So I said, I'll show you. And I went, Funny boy, six eight six nine. So I yeah. actually digressed but, in life. <laughs> but but that was it. It was like so. Like, can you imagine? Team Radio comes over. Hey hey, this is Funny Boy six eight six nine. Um, you suck. You don't deserve the ride. <laughs> While you're actually riding around inside your helmet, like that one would be would be tough. I don't want to be a comic. I I only want to be a good comic, or I only <laughs> want my stuff on Netflix because then they can't say nothing about me. They just need to switch it off. <laughs> oh, let me tell you something. They'll still say something about you, man, no matter what. I mean, but you know what's great? What's oh, great? Oh yeah, is, they'll find a way. Is that I've I've actually, and it's funny. I went through that because I had a, you know a couple specials out, and I looked at the negative comments, and they didn't really affect me like I thought they would. But people don't realize I clap back like. You know, like, oh, really? And I'll, I'll respond back like, hey, listen, what you don't know is, I mean, but I do it in a way that's professional. You know, I don't really get, you know, I, I think go back and forth on social media makes you like an idiot. You know, so, but I, I try to make it positive. They go, like, uh, I think this joke is uh, kind of racially insensitive. I go, well, you know, you're, uh, you're totally entitled to your opinion. And, blah, blah, blah. and I'll make it professional, kind of like a politician. But in, in, my, in my head, I'm going, you fucking pussy. I mean, that's what I say inside my head, but I don't, it doesn't come out that way. But I say that. I really do. I mean, they, they have no idea how much of a fuck I don't give, but I act like I do. And, 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 that, and that's the point in everything. Act like you do and re- you really don't. But you know what, man, Brad, God damn it, man. I'm, I'm pressed for time. I want to get so much more, but we're going to go quick fire questions here. One word answers here because we we're pressed for time. And God damn it, man, it's so damn good to see you. And I mean it from the bottom of my heart, B. So we're going quick, quick, quick answers, okay? Now, dumbass here wants to get a dirt bike. I, at, at this age, I want to get a dirt bike. So uh, what size should I get and when? <laughs> What 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 now? I'm good. Okay. And what size should I get? Should I get uh the 250, 450, and uh, what manufacturer or whatever? So I want to get a dirt bike. And what should I do? But you want to go to dirt bike track or you want to go like enduro? Uh, more enduro, but uh, I'll probably get a dirt bike track, but more enduro. You know, if I do a dirt All right. bike track, yeah. I'm gonna say if you got like a 250 four stroke, um, any of the EXC, so like KTM do a great one um Husqvarna Honda's come out with a new one as well um but yeah you don't need a 450 it's unnecessary so a 254 stroke 
um, you have a great time. But Don't I... buy it secondhand, though, if you can afford to get it new. If you're going to buy it secondhand, get a two-stroke. Okay, okay, gotcha. But I do have my eyes on this 450 that's uh, for sale. It's a Kawasaki 450 that's for sale. It's, oh, but Brad, it's so beautiful. You don't have the talent, my friend. Don't do uh, it. You ain't got to see it like that. You hurt my feelings. I mean, that really hurt my hey, feelings. Hey, it's real. <laughs> I, 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 I don't, I don't come to your commentary, uh, comedy club with a freaking microphone and stand on the stage and try and chow jokes. So don't go and buy a 450 and think that you're uh, Eli Tomac. It's just not going to happen. Oh my God. Okay, that was coming next. I know you're a a, a, a supercross head, a motocross head. That was your first love. I mean, so when it comes to supercross, right now, one word. Who's the best supercross rider? Who's the best supercross rider right now? Not who's leading the points, not who's that, but who's the best supercross rider right now, regardless of points or whatever position. If you had to pick, uh, it's Cooper Webb. Okay, what makes Cooper? Because to me, he's in Roxon's head, and I got so mad Saturday night. I literally had to. I, I, I turned it off. I didn't even watch the podium ceremony because I go rock. You had a seven second lead and you couldn't do. And I got mad and turned the goddamn TV off. I, I really was that mad. So what makes Cooper so good? A inner desire that doesn't come around, you know, uh, very often. The guy is is prepared and willing to suffer and leave it all on the table more than anyone else that I've ever met. He just just decides five flaps to go that he just burns everything that he's got. Like you never see that guy like not sweating on the podium. You know, like he's always hurting. You see there's like, you know, spit coming everywhere. There's dirt all around his face. He just goes into that hurt locker into that red zone harder than anyone else that I that I know. Um, but also in Kenny's defense, I, I still believe that this virus is, is hitting him and is still affecting, you know, whether it's the virus or whether it's his arm, something still affects him to a point where he just doesn't have that final 5% at end of races. So it's not mentally that he breaks down. It's just physically, he just unable to do it. And that's why he doesn't really fight back when Cooper passes. Cause he's just unable to fight back. Cause he doesn't have the raw energy. He's just trying to get it to the finish. In my opinion. Who's the most talented of supercross riders. Do you think in your opinion? Oh, in four fifties. Yeah. The most talented. Yeah. Uh, Kenny, Kenny Roxon. You think so? You think more than Eli? Yeah. Yeah. Well, and what makes you think? Because you see things different than I do. So what makes you think that? Um, I mean, if you look at Kenny five years ago before the accident, um, you know, like I think that's already, you know, a clear sign of how good Kenny was. Mm-hmm. And it's a sign of how good Kenny is that he's able to come back and have the problems that he does with his arms, you know, because he's still riding with a wrist brace, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and then also having, you know, the physical problems that he has and he's still able to be on the box. You know, Eli turns up, you know, and when he turns up, it's amazing. But even when he's fit and healthy, sometimes he's finished in like P8, P9 for no reason whatsoever. You know, whereas Kenny, even on his bad day, finishes second or third. You know, okay, there's anomalies. But yeah. let's say Kenny even struggling is, is P2, P3. And that's just class. That's, that's talent and class. How about 250? Who's the talented rider in 250? Most talented rider in 250? Uh, Jet Jet Lawrence. I think that kid is. I think the future is his. 
I mean, I think the future is all his. I see him and I go, wow. Honda, man, they, they, they struck gold with him. That kid has got it all. He's fun, good looking, talented. You know, he's got the Aussie accent that chicks love. And he's funny. I mean, he's... All of the things, all of the things that we're not beating. <laughs> speak, for, speak for yourself. Speak for you. speak for yourself, there, man. I don't like the way you hurt my feelings here, Brad. I don't like how you hurt you hurt my feelings, man. I'm trying to be nice, and here you are. Here you are throwing me shade, bro. Why are you throwing me shade like this, man? You bring you bring me on my show, and then you just do that to me. Who does this guy think he is? I know, man. I'm like, what the hell is this about? Why you, why you got to come at me like that? No, but I like it, though. I love it, though, honestly. You know. Okay, so we're, uh, speaking of MotoGP, who's the most talented rider in Moto3? Most talented rider in Moto3? Oh, in Moto3. Um because you know I love Moto3. That's why that's why I, I that's why you came on the map in, in my opinion cuz everybody looks at GP and I go Moto3 is the future and I saw you and I go I like this Bradley Smith kid. Um wow. Uh, I don't want to jump on the bandwagon with everybody else but this Pedro Acosta, you know, like you cannot argue with a guy that just finished three podiums in a row and the way that he's doing it at the moment as well. It just looks, you know, kind of easy and simple for him. Um I'd like to touch back base, you know, in, you know, six or seven rounds to kind of see once he's had his first crash or DNF or a bit of bad luck or something like that, actually yeah. what kind of happens. Mm -hmm. um, what the dude can do with a motorbike though, Darren Binder, you know, the fact that he can just flick a motor three bike sideways, back it in on its knee into the corner and pass anyone at any corner at any time. You know, that's, that's some skill and talent, which is, is awesome to watch. I love Ben. So, do you have him pegged for the championship? Who do you have? Who you pegged for the championship in Moto Three? Um, I haven't really followed as much as I should, um, <laughs> just because I've tried not to watch it. <laughs> it's things, I, isn't it? It's I have. I, I'm like dismantling my MotoGP account, not my Twitter account. Uh, <laughs> that that. That's where I'm at at the moment. I don't even want to see see those races. But um, who do I have picked for the championship? I would like to see Darren. Um, and yeah, as much as I'd I've liked to have seen McPhee, uh, yeah. the way that these first three races have gone, you know, like you kind of written everything off now. So, um, but yeah, let's let's see how it all pans out. Like uh, I always like another three because there's five guys that can win with three laps to go, and yes. that's what makes it exciting. It's so beautiful. I love it. How about Moto2? Who do you have for the, uh, pick for the championship in Moto2? Wow. Um, I mean, I'd like to see Remy Gardner, uh, yeah. you know, just just because I think that, you know, it's all coming together for him. You know, he's finally got that that time. Um, you know, he's still at the right age where MotoGP is definitely an option for him. Um, and he's done it by himself. I mean, I followed Remy's career because he lives just down the road from Dakota Mamola and, you know, I hang out with Dakota, yeah. uh, you know, pretty much all the Mamola family all of my life. So I know Remy um, and he really has, has grafted to the point where he put himself in this position and, you know, none of this was given. It was no kind of like Spanish dude rolling with Spanish money or, you know, Italian dude. It was like, you know, or okay, his dad supported him to a certain point, but, um, you know, then it was kind of right, Remy, you're on your own and you have to make this work. And, you know, he's figured out this Mother 2 job pretty pretty impressively. And, uh, 
uh, yeah, it's 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 good to see you know him position himself now inside the KTM team where he has a real shot at looking into MotoGP and a, and a bright future. He's a grinder as well. Like I mean, I you know where everybody's pegging Sam to win, and I love Sam. Don't get me wrong, I love Sam. But Remy's just a grinder, and you see it. I mean, the way he did Joe Roberts in that Portimao race, I mean, that basically showed, hey, man, I'm here to win. I mean, you want some friends, you go to Facebook. You know, I'm coming in, and if you want to stop me, that's great, but I'm coming through, bro. It's it's the difference between, you know, uh, uh, an an Aussie-like grinder and, you know, the the Southern Californian kid that likes to surf, you know? Yeah. Hey, man, let's (laughs) – Let's hang out. No, let's not hang out. Let's uh, let's get this podium, and then we then we'll have you know a good time afterwards. That's a great way to look at. It. Okay, well, who do you think is the, uh, the the most talented rider Moto Two? I personally think it's Raúl Fernandez. I think Raúl Fernandez is a tremendous talent. And what do you think of him? Or have you even watched? Yeah, like between Ra- Raúl, but the one that I really impressed with, like in his rookie season, mm-hmm. is Ayagura. I mean, yes, I would have bet money against that guy, you know, being a success. Like I would have questioned everybody that thought it was a good idea to put him on a motor two bike. I'd have been like, you're doing what? Like (laughs) why? Yes. That, that guy shows nothing like, and, and it shows nothing. Like if you had to bet between Albert Arenas and Ayagura, you would have been like, Arenas is going to kill it. He's going to get some top tens and maybe a top six by the end of the season, you know, when then podiums in his second year. Um, and Ayagura is just going to be like a Powie and finish like P24 and, and go home. Like, but chapeau to the guy, like absolutely killing it. And if it wasn't for Fernandez, you know, then everyone would be raving about him. But um, yeah, Fernandez, yeah, just doing magical things at the moment. And um yeah ktm have got another you know ktm are building themselves a solid little army you know for the future of their of their project but you know that's that's all down to them and how they do things so it's good good on them oh guru and he shows no emotion that kid was up for the championship three points away going into the final round no emotion I mean, he'd be a great serial killer. Like, you just said, no, I'm like, where were you at last night? I was with my wife. I was eating. And then I went to bed at 9 o'clock. You know, I mean, you're like, all right, man. I mean, he just nothing. But, but that's the same as the Japanese dude that won the Masters this year. I, I didn't see the match. I don't watch I don't watch golf. Oh, man, come on. Like, what are you watching that's more important? Um, anything but. I mean, I really don't. I mean, unless Tiger's in it, I, and I don't really watch anyone's Tiger. I just, it's, it's uh, too. Oh, I see. I see. Brotherhood. <laughs> uh, okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. I see. I see how it is. You see All how right. it is. You see how it yeah. is. The, the truth that's, comes out. That's why I, that's, ah, see, I, I wondered if it was the same for Supercross, but because you got Malcolm in there, then you're watching it as well, right? That's right. I only watch it when Malcolm and Malcolm crashes. I turn the TV off. That's how I am. Yeah, there we go. Now I, keep now it real. I start to understand how this works. <laughs> so, so you don't watch any swimming, huh? <laughs> Let me tell you something. I'm the black Michael Phelps. I watch swimming. You know, I'm like, eh, nothing else. On. I'd rather watch swimming than golf. I tell you that much. I'd rather watch swimming than golf. You know, I'd rather watch swimming than golf. Hold on. Before we even go there, MotoGP, uh, who do you have for the winner? Who do you have predicted for the uh, championship, uh, the champion for the season? Now that um, daddy's home. 
I, I think that, that Mia can get this done again, that Suzuki is looking, you know, great again this season. Um, and it's the best all-round bike, you know. Yes. I think I feel that Suzuki has become what Yamaha was. And, you know, and I think that's like Yamaha was never necessarily the fastest bike in a straight line, but it was the best all-round. It was nice on tires. It was friendly to ride. It was good at most circuits, and they yeah. just got it done. Um and I think that the fact that they're not going away from the 2020 chassis, you know, and they're still staying with the, the 2020 for this year, you know, it gives them a lot of information and data on all those tracks. And one thing that was interesting for me, they suffered, like both riders suffered at Porto Mayo last season, mm -hmm. and they went really good this year. So yeah, that yeah. also means that Suzuki's really understanding from one year to the next what their problems are, and they're fixing them. You yeah. know, and I think that that is, um, you know, that's interesting to, to, to see. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, the only thing that can stop them is the speed of the Ducati, in my opinion. I don't think it will be the Yamahas again this year. I think mm -hmm. that the Yamahas are still a little bit too up and down. Um, I think what would stop them is that that raw speed of the Ducati that they're just able to turn it up. Um, you know, with someone like Bagnaya that, that I believe, you know, if he continues the confidence, I think he's probably more risk, you know, more of the man for the championship than, than Miller at this point. Um, who's the most underrated rider on the MotoGP field, uh, in that field? Who's the most underrated that you feel? Because um, you know the insides and outs, and like they, they didn't get the credit they deserve, and you go, this guy, when it's, when it's going to come together, he's going to be unstoppable. Uh, Alicia Spargaro. Um, you know, really? The, yeah. And, you know, I honestly feel that, and, and this uh, partly is down to the fact that he rides or he has been riding the Aprilia for a number of years. So he knows it in and out. But honestly, I've not seen someone that's able to ride around the problems that the Aprilia has and just kind of find a way from no way, if that makes sense. Um, you know, and it wouldn't matter if you stuck Davizioso inside that team, you know, uh, now, uh, for the rest of the season and even for two more years afterwards, I don't feel that Dovi would get anywhere near Aleish, um, you know, over the course of, you know, the, the, the season, you know, I think that Aleish is a bit like Simon Patterson wrote because we've had the conversation numerous times is, you know, you can't argue with the facts. Aleish just manages to be better than his teammates, you know, um, you know, week, week in and week out. Now, the only person that had, you know, that beat him and did anything a little bit better was Maverick when they were on the Suzuki. Right, but right. I, think the, I think the Suzuki was the completely wrong bike for Aleish and he still was quite fast with it, you know. Um, Alace's riding style is very much brake late, doesn't really carry a whole bunch of corner speed. Um, you know, whereas and you know, the electronics were pretty, pretty good on that thing. You had to be smooth with the throttle, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, but yeah, like if it's just down to riding a normal bike, you know, I think he, he is underrated. No one realizes how well he's actually riding with that bike, um, you know, and what he is able to, to do with that bike. Wow, I was not expecting that. That's incredible, and I—that's I, why I love talking to the pros. You guys know, and you—you you were his teammate. I hear he's a great teammate, also. 
yeah, we, we didn't have any, any problems, you know, like he, I don't know, it's just one of those guys that kind of keeps himself to himself and just goes about his business and, you know, turns up, does his job and goes home. There's not really too many mind games. There's not many, you know, um, you know, there's not tension. There's not an atmosphere, you know, he'll say hello every morning and, you know, there'll be a bit of talk, but just kind of keeps himself to himself, does his job and, and goes home, you know, back to family life and back to riding his bicycle. And, you know, it's just, yeah, there's no, there's never any problems there. I, I got to ask you this because I asked people what question they want me to ask you. And I was going to get to this, but tell me your first, when you realize you're in the big time, your first, oh shit moment, I have hit the big time. Because, you know, I ask guys all the time, and the, the story that comes to mind was I was asking Sean Dylan Kelly when he was in Red Bull Rookies Cup, what was his first oh shit moment? And he said, when he was going as fast as he can, he's going to hit a curve, he's going to a turn, and Raul Fernandez went right by me, goes, oh shit, this is what I got to do, this is what I got to deal with. So what was your first oh shit moment? You go, okay, I'm in a different class now. Um... I mean, I had quite a few, <laughs> like especially in the in in that first season because like, I don't know. My story is I come from dirt bikes. Right. And I pretty much, I rode dirt bikes in two thousand and until mid two thousand and four, and then I rode Spanish Championship like road race in two thousand five, and I was in World Championship in two thousand six. So mm -hmm. you can imagine, like in an eighteen month period, I just had this rapid kind of rise, but right. also. Right. Like just thrown in the deep end, you know, there was pictures of me like, you know, elbow up, pushing the bike down into the corner and, you know, with my with my toes dragging on the floor, you know, and then it's just like, OK, yeah, that's not quite how we how we do it. Right. So um, how about MotoGP? It, how about MotoGP? Because, you know, coming from Moto2 to MotoGP, what, what, when did you go? Oh, Jesus, this is a whole different ballgame. Yeah, I think I, I want to say, and I don't remember the first year we went to Austin. I think the first year we went to Austin was 13, 2013, but I'm not 100% sure. I'm but I literally just remember, like, I did, went testing in Sepang and I was like, okay, you know, this is hard, but it's not too bad. Then you go to Qatar and you're like, okay, you know, that's not so bad. And then I want to say that we went to uh, Austin and I was like, oh, I can't do this. Like, there's no freaking way I can do this. I just, I didn't know where to be on the track. I had way too much power. You know, I was riding it completely wrong. I was just tying myself in knots. Um, I was dreadfully slow. And it was like, oh boy, like, I'm not sure I can do this one. And uh, yeah, that one was a, a real awakening. Or every time that you did like the winter test, so you'd go like Sepang, Qatar and then you turn up at Jerez and then you'll be like oh yeah I figured the bike out like more or less because in Qatar it's so wide um you know that it doesn't really matter where you are in Sepang it's so hot that the bike's not even fast and then you literally turn up to you know Jerez and it's like I'm at a go-kart track you know with a Formula One car you yeah. know I'm like how am I gonna make this thing go around here like I can't even go in a straight line let alone you know try and make it around a racetrack it's just yeah, it's, it's mind boggling, which is why everyone turns around and goes, oh, why in Haref, you know, is it possible for a super bike to go as fast as Mother GP and, you know, this, that and the other? It's because we've got way too much power and the thing won't even go in a straight line anyway. So you're just fighting it the whole time. It would actually be easier if they took away 50 brake horsepower around Haref and would be, be a lot easier. 
Wow. Wow. I love that insight, B. Honestly, man, I love it. God, I love I love talking to you, man. And like I said in the beginning, man, I, 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 I see it and I feel it from you. But in your defense, like I said, man, that Aprilia is where it's at because of you. And like I said, you're saying the right things, which you should. Don't let me get you fired. Don't let a brother get you fired. But, I mean, the prayer is where it's at because of you. And they're successful now because of you. And this is no diss to Salvador. Like, I've, you know, I would never diss a writer like that. But they're where they're at because of you. And you're going to get a job somewhere. Like I said, I know how it is, man. Like I said, it's like the Portamount. It's the, the career, career is like Portamount. It's, it's a roller coaster, man. You're going to get there, bro. I know you are. It's, and you're going to be positive as always. It's just always good talking to you, man. I, I know you're going to pull through, and I can't wait because I want, like I said, I still want to come to Monaco, sleep on your couch, and go to Formula One and pretend I'm Lewis Hamilton. We'll just go like real fast. Like I'll put a hat on, you know, and act like I got braids, and you act like you're security, and we'll just go to place real fast, you know, and they go, hey, that Lewis Hamilton. And I'll just go, hey, and do a wave, and we'll go through. And, but that's why I want to do that. And also, we can be your team principal at Suzuka Eight Hours. It's going to be me, you, and James Rispoli. And we're going to get a team together, and I want to be your team principal. There's a lot of things we need to figure out, but now I've got a whole bunch of downtime. Uh, you know, I can I can actually do it. So the the Suzuka project is definitely in the pipeline. I'd like to make it happen in the next two three years. You know, and find a way for us to be be able to do it. Um, it is one of the. It's not just a, a bullshit like talk. I I really want to try and make it make it happen. So that'd be cool if we we're, we're able to to do that. And of course, if it happens, you're you're always invited um and monaco f1 man they're setting up the track as it is at the moment you know so i, I mean we can't go and do anything because of covid but certainly if i'm here at any point and we can make it happen as well um yeah you're more than welcome to to come over it's uh it's an experience like no other so if you can witness it it's uh it's a pleasure well, like I said, team principal, I'm ready. Look, I got the look. I know how to. I'll put the the, the shirt on, like the, the like the you know, and the polo shirt. And I know how to look at that, like the time, like I like I know what I'm doing. Look, look like this, and okay. Right. You just have to nod as well, like uh, yeah, just go like it, like okay, and and go like yeah. this, and go like that. And when you come in, I give you a pat, and I go, and we'll act, I act like I know what I'm doing. Like I can pantomime everything, so I have the look, <laughs> and they'll go, who is this guy? And you'll be like, eh, long story, and nobody really know, but we'll know, and then we win it, and I'll look like a genius, and I'll get a job at some team, and before they realize they made a mistake, they already signed the contract, and they got to pay me. So that's our goal yeah. for me, you, and Respond. Can we? Can we can we put guru on you somewhere? Is that possible? I don't I don't think coach or coach or chief mechanic is like good enough. I just think good life life guru. <laughs> yeah, somebody's gonna pay me to be the life guru. That sounds good, man. PT life guru. Oh man, B. Thank you, man, so much for your time, brother. I mean it from the bottom of my heart to, to, to celebrate the anniversary of uh, Tales with you. I mean it from the bottom of my heart, man. You know you got a special place in my heart. I appreciate you, brother, for coming on, telling your side of the story. Like I said, maintain positivity, man. It's coming for you, brother. I know it is, and I can't wait, man. So thank you so much. I appreciate it, B. Tell the family I said hi. Your wonderful dad and your mom, and I appreciate you, brother. And all you people. Tales from the Gemini, thank you guys for watching for 52 episodes. Me and Wyatt, we thank you. And thank you, Bradley Smith. And until then, like I say around this time, peace.